Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to yet uh, another beautiful episode of Two Thumbs Undecided. I am one host, uh, Sam Ferguson. And I am one host, Zachary Jarther Ferguson. That is our names together. I'm just going to adjust some of the sound that is coming out. Uh, speak for a sec, Zach. Hey, right, I'm Zach, the other host. Oh, yeah, my mic's down. All right. This is Zach Ferguson. Perfect. Saturday Night Live. All right. Um, so we today have a very, very uh, special um, theme today. This is uh, Pride Month, as a lot of you guys probably know. Uh, and so we wanted to do a Pride episode. Uh, and we are two uh, straight men. So I feel like we probably couldn't talk about this ourselves. So I brought in... Uh, one of my friends, a, a great producer, director. Uh, how about you uh, introduce yourself, Katie? Hey, thanks, Sam. Oh, sorry. Oops. Go ahead. Am I on? Now you're on. All right. This is my first podcast, man. Ooh. It's uh, a radio show? Yeah, Sam. We Sam, are Sam, live. Every time I say it, I still think it's a podcast. We did start. Too. We podcast, do have podcast show. origins. Um, so what, what's the difference? Just just that, that it's live, live on the radio? That makes I think it the a, fact that it's, it's, it's live, this is all... All the mistakes you heard at the beginning of me adjusting the... We're not going to take that out of the podcast, but but you so know it that it's... a podcast. It, be, it, 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 I it mean, becomes, it does yeah. become... We, we we dip our toes into both water, you know? We, I, we, we, we are a podcast, but I feel like I am more proud of the fact that it's a radio show. So uh, I stress the radio show a little bit more. I think you got to pick a side, you know? I... I think I, we should be a podcast. Oh, podcast. this is getting into an administrative discussion. I mean, I told yeah. everybody today that I was going to be on a podcast. I'm just going to adjust my... Nobody listens to the radio is my thing. And, like, radio is, like, on the out, in my opinion. Podcast Radio's on the out? Is, yeah. I mean, like, radio will always be here forever. But podcast is new and fresh and young, you know? It's not really young anymore. I mean, it's, it's like, been around it for a little bit, I feel. Like... Do you have Kids any? What are, what are your thoughts on podcasts? No, this is completely different. But what are your? What's your overall? Do you list, Do you have like a podcast that you care about, or do you care about podcasts? You know, Katie? so the company I used to work for, uh, Topic Studios, they have some really great podcasts, and really that was the beginning of me ever listening to podcasts. Really? I, yeah, I'm not good at kind of you know fo- like I always multitask when uh-huh. I'm on my phone or something. So mm-hmm. just listening to something is kind of hard for me. But they had these really great, um, you know, narrative podcasts and unscripted podcasts. So I loved listening to um, Missing Richard Simmons by Dan Taberski. Mm-hmm. That's a favorite. You know, all about finding Richard Simmons. One. Oh, you got to check it out. Wait, it's all about just finding Richard Simmons? Yeah. I think I've actually uh, heard of that. Have you heard of that? No, I've never heard. Is it hard to find Richard Simmons? <laughs> actually, <laughs> Richard, podcast Simmons, based off. Richard Simmons is actually in hiding. Whoa. Wait, he's kind of out of the social eye. That's true. I haven't heard about him the since. Public eye. Like, unfortunately, not like OJ Simpson, who is very much now in the public eye again with his new Twitter account, which oh, brings us serious? to news and media. <laughs> Good I transition. didn't know he had a Twitter. You didn't know account? about that? OJ Simpson's now has a, a Twitter account. Um, oh boy! In which he is now weirdly gloating about his his kind of infamousness. About his like, kind of just like making kind of weird threats towards people, and but like saying it in a joking way. It's kind of scary, honestly. The fact I that this imagine, is I mean, okay, but I mean, I guess I, I mean he's not doing anything 
on the channel itself, he's not doing anything bad. It's just he's not he's not he's just OJ Simpson. <laughs> so it That's kind of good. isn't isn't really a great. Uh, it's more of it's more of just interesting to watch to like. I wouldn't follow it, but it's more of just an interesting thing to like just see as like a social experiment and see the threads. I don't well, know. No, it, it seems I don't know if this is him, but like his thing is his mugshot, and his thing says "free at last." So there you go. Really? I don't know if it's actually him. I don't know. He's a weird dude. Anyway, um, so yeah. So well, sorry. So welcome to the show, Katie. Uh, it's great to have you on. Um, so we're first going to begin with uh, today in news, as we typically do, and then we'll, we'll, we'll sh- yeah, we'll go around the horn and share anything that we know about film news. Yeah, and then we'll yeah, and then we'll go into our our thing for today, uh, which is LGBTQ plus representation uh, in film. Uh, but what's 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 going on in the world today, Zach? Oh, let me tell you. I tell you, right. Shane. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Um, for all you anime nerds out there, right. Neon Genesis Evil. Uh, all right. Well, let's. Evil. Let's get this um, pronounced right. Uh, it's a it's a famous uh anime. Everybody knows what it is. Anyways, it came to uh to uh Netflix. Oh, Neon Genesis Evangelion came to Netflix with all 26 of its episodes. I'm pretty excited about it because it was forever not able to get it on DVD or Blu-ray. Mm. Or at no least on VHS either. What? Could you get it on VHS? Um maybe. I don't know. It was like really hard to get. Okay. So I'm not really an anime nerd, but like eh. the art is fantastic. I feel like you dabble in in nerddoms of all variety. Yeah, you're I not did, a you're I not f- really a nerd of one type, but you are a dabbler of different nerd like things. He's a dabbler. I think that's fair. To, yeah, you're a, you're a nerd dabbler. He's a dabbler. <laughs> I'm a dabbler of a dabbler. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that was my slight news. Okay. Well, I feel you? like there's something else going yeah. on. Do you know of any what, what's something in the in this week, Katie, that you, that comes to your your noggin? What's something that happened? Man, what comes to my noggin? You know, I feel like I've just been such a workaholic this week. I don't mm. know if I've even read or looked at any news. Mm. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think. Um. Oh, can I just say something real quick? Just real quick. Okay, if it's real quick, I'm timing yeah. you go. I don't think this is the Twitter account for OJ Simpson. I don't think this is real because one of his tweets was, I'd kill for a cheeseburger right now. No, I think it so, is real. That's the thing no, is I'm fairly no. certain it is real. That, no, that I can't think be he true. is. I think this is I think he is just kind of gone a little nuts and is now playing okay. into his his role that we have given him now. I doubt it. OK, anyways, back to film news. Um, I feel like there was definitely something. Wait, I thought I you were hinting at something. No, like, I was hinting at the fact that I think there's something. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's usually something there's going usually on. There's usually something happening. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I mean, this okay, might need, I don't know. Here's something. Okay, go ahead. Danny, Bo- Danny Boyle wants Robert Patterson to be the next James Bond. Oh, yeah, Thoughts. that's something, I guess. Um. I should really start writing these down a little. I used to be better at writing down the news of today, but I'll, anyways, yeah, I heard about that, and people are arguing that um, uh, it's um, he's he's too young. Oh really? Yeah, 
that he's he's uh, he needs to at least be like in his 40s or something. I don't know. I, I, my thing is, is I just think, you know, Robert Pattinson, he's already going to be the Batman. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Come on. Like there are other people in the world who can be the next James Bond. Yeah, true. Just anybody. Yeah, I don't know. Also, I, I honestly think the James Bond franchise is kind of, in my mind, like not really a thing anymore. Like I, I just don't care about it. Uh, it's I was like never a, a fan. I for some reason I always found them boring. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think they're kind of fun, cl- action-packed classics. I like I the know. classics. I'm just the the ones that like I like we grew up with, uh, especially after James whatever. What's his name again? The guy that was in like Die Another Day, the one that we were when we were kids, he was the Pierce oh, Brosnan. Uh, Brosnan. Pierce Bronson, yeah. Pierce Bronson. I feel like his stuff um was a little bit more was a little bit more interesting and he just seemed for me he was like always the Bond, even more so than Sean Connery or like any of the others. And then this new one, I was kind of just like, it's cool. It's just it it doesn't seem like uh, uh a type of, of film that is unique, I guess. Yeah. I just, for some reason, even as a kid, I would, I would like the action. And then there would just be this long draw of like him looking at papers or talking to the, like, he always lady. was looking at papers. Hey, uh, <laughs> There's a lot to sort out when you're James Bond, you know, it's not yeah, easy. You know, I, Oh, uh, this is about realism. my computer's about to die, but, um, I, sorry, talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to get my charger. Well, I, I have a question for you guys, which is, if there could be a female James Bond, mm. who would you want it to be? Mm. Um, I would want it to be... I have a very... answer, but I can't talk right now. Um, okay. Cl- uh, Chloe, uh, S- S- uh, what's her name? Grace Remitz? No, Grace not Chloe Grace Remitz. Um, Savaney, I think that's how you pronounce it. Chloe Savaney. Don't think that's how you pronounce it. But you know who I'm talking about. I do know who you're talking about. How do you pronounce it? I think, isn't it like Sauvigny? Probably. (laughs) Yeah, she's, I think she's French Canadian. But, um, she, uh, yeah, Chloe Savigny, she would be a great, uh, female James Bond, I feel. She has that cool kind of thing, but also could be very lethal, I feel. I don't know. She would be my number one choice. And I also love I love her. Is she a little, little young? Just, no. She's like 30s. She was 30s. Yeah, she's like 30s now. Yeah, all right. I guess that's a... See, I was thinking of an, an older Bond. I was thinking like a like a Tilda Swinton. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. yeah, like somebody really badass. Did you... you know? All right, we'll, we'll talk about this towards the end when we talk about movies. Have you seen uh, uh, the uh, uh, Dead Don't Die at all yet? I haven't. Tilda Swinton that. is the best part of that film, um, which isn't. I didn't love the film, but Tilda Swinton made me like the film. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's it's it kind of missed the mark. Yeah, definitely missed the mark. Um, She's great, like in everything. I was gonna say, um, for some reason, it popped in my head. Kristen Skull, Skull. What? Who she was from Flight of the Concord. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow, we have all very different yeah. ideas. Of That's kind of crazy. If she was James Bond, you know. Wait, you mean the, like the the the, the person that like loves them, like the 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 one woman who's like in love with Flight of the Concord? That person. Yes. She's good at who's following also- people around. You know, she <laughs> maybe, would be a good detective. maybe she'd be a good detective. She knows where people are. She yeah. knows 
their routines and their habits, how to track them down. I think she would be a good yeah. Batman. I think she, she would, yeah. Be funny. <laughs> oh, no, she would be a great, like, yeah, great Batman or a... I think she should just have her own spinoff detective movie series in general. Uh, I think she's just maybe very... in the same universe as James Bond. Wouldn't that be funny if, like, the new James Bond, they bring her on? Look, and as, like, the, the next agent, like, 008 or whatever. What? I just want to put this out here because it's being recorded. If I was ever given the chance to direct a Marvel movie or mm. write a Marvel movie, okay. I would write, I would write Squirrel Girl, and I would cast Kristen Skull as Squirrel Girl. Interesting. Do, do you know Squirrel Girl? Have you ever heard of Squirrel Girl? No, but I also yeah. think her last name is Shaw. I'm pretty sure, not Skull. <laughs> Kristen Shaw. Yo, I'm so <laughs> great that we have. Uh, yeah, we really Katie need on. a third. We need someone look to come that on. Up. I want to. I want to. You know, we're probably wrong. And then like, maybe I, I look think... up the pronunciation of Chloe's last name. Let's really like, like, you know, cross our T's and dot our I's. You know. Okay. Well, this is Katie, the producer, coming out. Um, yeah, we. Uh... Hey, if you want to produce the show, we will. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, a little busy right now, right, but fine, uh, fine, happy whatever. to be a guest. Steven Spielberg did produce the show back in the day, just so you know. And um, you got. Oh, by the way. Uh, what the? What was that? Shawl? Oh, that was my phone. Uh, uh, Shawl. Uh, in English, it's a Dutch name, and it's it, English translate is scale. Oh, so there you go. Have you looked up her last name yet? Well, no. How I? Whenever I can't say a word or think it's a word, I'm. I want to make sure it is the word. I'll look it up in Google Translate mm -hmm. and then press listen. Hmm. Uh, they say it is Shawl. Yeah, well, it's, it's there's two ways. S H, uh, it's S C H A A L. So, it does seem like shawl, just in shawl. I don't know. Um. Anyways, we can uh, we can we can transition now. It's not the greatest transition, but we can indeed transition to our topic for today, um, which is uh, pride themed. Um. So I would like to begin, uh, by going over briefly the the history of. LGBTQ representation uh, in cinema, and I have I, I want to ask, what do you guys think is the first movie that ever represented any type of homosexuality whatsoever? What do you think it was called? Spartacus. Now let me just tell you, it's a very obvious name. Spart Spartacus. It's not Spartacus. You really think Spartacus? Was there even like a like a gay sex scene or something in that? Was no, that? No, there was the whole. Actually, it didn't. It come out late or was it been her i think you're thinking of lawrence of arabia yes yes we'll talk about that later but what is what do you think is the first movie ever <sighs> that was featured any kind of homosexuality lgbtqness well i guess since you didn't perk your ears up to ben hur it's not ben hur it's not so ben hur i'm gonna <laughs> re-guess think of literally the beginning oh, of movies uh, it's the train movie yep there was a gay. Dude. There was a gay sex scene in in, in one of those train cars. It doesn't have to be a gay as... sex scene. <laughs> anyway, oh, it was God. called. It was called the. It was called the Gay Brothers, uh, and it came out in 1895. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't like an actual. It was more of of just like men not acting like men, but it was. It was. It, it wasn't like it wasn't probably like a like an actual like respect like a uh, like respecting. Uh, like homosexual culture and like LGBTQ, it was more of just like more of like a kind of a menstrual show sort of thing of like men oh. dressing up. Um, 
but technically that is the first one. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. It's just these guys just dressing up as as women and just dressed in dresses. But that is the first time that that has ever There's been in film. Slight- There's even any slight amount of of homosexuality in film. But then, um, in the 30s, there was the Hayes Code, which was very restrictive, and, like, literally you couldn't talk about it whatsoever, Um, like, even, like, hint at it. Uh, And then what was interesting is around in the 50s, and, of course, there's, I mean, people might call in and be like, oh, like, there was, like, this one obscure thing in the 30s. Like, yeah, there was probably some underground things that were happening that we don't, I I couldn't really find too much uh, information on, but for the most part, what people saw had no at all connection uh, with homosexuality or anything. Uh, but then the fifties happened, and what's interesting about the fifties is there's there was a lot of plays that were being made into movies in the fifties, um, and and what a lot of the plays uh, like by Tennessee William uh, had a lot of like kind of overt references to some of the main characters being gay um, and like on the nose and like kind of like said, uh, but the movie renditions of these films were taken out completely. Um, for instance, Maltese Falcon, which was based on a book. Um, I think the main character was gay, uh, but they took that out completely. Um, and then one of the most famous examples uh, is cat on a hot tin roof, which uh, oh, has, yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, which has um, uh, I know you said his name earlier. The Cool Hand Luke, Paul, Paul Newman. Newman. Paul He's Newman's the character. The, the sauce. What? He made uh, tomato sauce. He did? He makes, and salad dressing. Yeah. You know, Paul Newman. Newman's own. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I did he not lives on. Is that like branded after him? Yeah, he yeah, made it. Like his brand. I mean, he yeah. made oh, the shit. company. It has his face. I had no idea. Well, maybe. But here's a little little fun fact about a character he played. Um, oh. is that the, one of his characters was, uh, was, was gay in the play, the one that was written by, I believe, Tennessee Williams, um, but in the movie completely taken out. And it was, but the thing is, it was so, it's one of those things where it's like, if you watch it and you don't know the behind the scenes of the play itself, you wouldn't, you would have no idea whatsoever. So it really went under the Hayes Code. But at the same time, there was like one or two lines that did touch upon it. And that's like, what I think is interesting is like those people who really wanted to, but the censors are so extreme that yeah. you had to go sl- like under the radar, but it's still there if you know, if you know about it. Um, that is true. I, I was wondering what he <clears throat> meant. There's that one scene in the movie. There's a line where he's talking to his wife and she asks him why he can't have sex with her. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's like a slight nod, but he's just like, I love men. And I always wondered what, like, what that meant. Wait, what? So I guess, yeah, there's that one line where he's just In like, the movie? I love men. Yeah. He I said that, that after, he said that after the, after she said, do you want, why don't you sleep with me? Yeah, he, he said, well, to, the actual quote is, I love having sex with men. What are you talking about? That didn't happen. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, shut up. Maybe in the play that happened, uh, but not in the movie itself. The movie yeah. was was definitely a little bit more, uh, definitely like even kill completely Have you seen the movie? like I did. It's a good movie. Oh. Um, but that was like that's like what how that was being represented in in the fifties. 
And then the '60s happens, and there's oh. a little bit more of a little bit more of a, of a looseness. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia was actually the first film in like '61, I think, was the first popular film that was kind of overtly showing that one of the main characters uh, was gay. I, and I, um, but I, it wasn't like it was also still done kind of not. Uh, it wasn't done overtly it was still done slightly you might not even really notice it if you weren't looking for it but it's definitely there and that's kind of how a lot of the 60s films were up until uh i'd say like easy rider have you ever seen easy rider actually or not sorry not easy rider um bonnie and clyde you seen bonnie and clyde i have it's been a while yeah but you know like the scene where like he's about to like they're about to have sex and then he kind of just completely just doesn't he, like, kind of distances himself. And it's kind of this weird, awkward scene where it's, like, there's really no other reason why he they, like, touch upon that just no. besides to show. And it's kind of, like, it's also one of those things where it's not really ever expressed. And once again, you might not know about it until it's you you actually, like, look at it with new modern eyes. And you, But if you don't want to see it, you don't, you don't have to. Like, you can kind of ignore it. It's not presented in that way. But that's how a lot of the 60s films were. Now, Sam, we can't uh, go over the 60s without talking about Scorpio Rising by Kenneth Anger. I, I don't know. I, uh, I that's, that, that was a a art house movie made in the 60s, like one of those underground kind of like probably was shown at Andy Warhol's parties. Mm. But it's a um, story about um, it's a it's like biker culture, hmm. but it's about uh, two um, men. Who are in love? Really? But it's also and that yeah. was oh no wait, it, it has. I start. Uh, we should they showed it in film class a long time ago. But it definitely how has long? The, Tell us how old you are. What? How long? Tell us how old you are. I'm the. I am a quarter of a century old. Oh okay. Continue. Uh, I did not go to Juilliard. If that's that's what, what I assume. Angers you that it does kind of piss me off. But continue with what you were saying. But uh, anyways, the whole movie is on YouTube to watch. Oh. It's an underground movie, uh, very avant-garde. And what is it, it called is again? Low- Scorpio Rising. Yeah, Scorpio okay. Rising. Um, yeah, I mean, there's those scenes. I mean, yeah, like I think the '60s had a lot more underground films than, like, say, the '30s would. Um, but uh, and then the Stonewall riots happened, and then that's when it became a lot more. Like the '70s happens, and that's when there's a lot of films. Uh, that like the boys in the band was probably one of the biggest one, which came out in like 1970 uh, dog days afternoon was a very overt and really interesting, like just kind of like, wow, that's like, this is what the story is about. Um, and then of course there's like pink flamingo, which is a really strange film. <laughs> you have, is have you pink seen pink flamingo? flamingo? I don't remember. Oh, you should well. see pink flamingo. <laughs> Do you know what it's about? No, I don't know much about it. It's uh John waters. It's his first film. Or at least his first big film. Uh, and it's with, uh, what's the one drag queen's name? What's her name? Uh, I'm going to look it up. Um, Flamingo. All right. Well, while you look that up, um, and then there's Rocky Horror Divine. Picture Show. Divine. Divine. It had Divine in it. And she literally ate shit. She picked up some dog poop and ate it at the end of the movie. It's a strange, strange movie. It's uh, very, strange. very strange. Honestly, still kind of uh, in shock from it. But um, 
yeah, and then there was uh, whatever Rocky Horror Picture Show, as I said. Um, but still, there was still like some. It was you could still get away with making a movie that was kind of anti uh, LGBTQ and still have it be a popular film. Like it was still kind of a stigmatized thing. Um, and then we get into the eighties and nineties, um, which, uh, the AIDS epidemic didn't definitely didn't help, um, in the eighties, but then around the nineties, that's when the quote unquote new queer cinema started. Um, and that is still kind of going on today. And especially I'd say the modern, what I think of now is like the beginning of like modern, um, representation in, in film is like Brokeback Mountain. It was like probably one of the most pivotal, uh, like, uh, popular films. Now, uh, now we get into modern times. Um, so I guess one of my questions for you, Katie, is what do you think was one of the films that you saw that was one of the most, one of the first films you saw that I guess was like one of the most eye-opening, uh, realistic, not even realistic, but a film that you saw that you felt really touched home on like LGBTQ and like you felt was a good film. Sure. Well, I guess kind of, you know, reflecting a little bit on what you, you know, just said, I mean, I, I think so many films kind of to your point have approached LGBTQ characters in this very subtle, nuanced way mm-hmm. in a way where, you know, viewers may even kind of uh, miss that aspect mm-hmm. of, you know, a character's life. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it isn't kind of their public life. It's their private life that maybe sometimes is not fully explored in a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, funny enough, it's really um, a few television shows that I really? think for me really, um, you know, kind of showcased, uh, you know, a, a queer lifestyle in a way that resonated with me. Um, I think, you know, a TV show that really impacted me um, from kind of the late 90s, early 2000s um, is Six Feet Under, um, where you have, have you seen Six Feet Under? I haven't, but have you, have you, Zach? I have uh, with Anthony uh, H. Hall. Um, or, uh, you're talking uh, the about the guy plays Dexter, right? Right, right. You're talking about um, my, uh, Michael, uh, Michael C. Hall. Yeah, Michael yeah. C. Hall. Michael Hall. Yeah, and I mean it's it's him, and I unfortunately can't remember the um, the other actor's name. He plays a character, Peter Krauss. Um, that's his brother. But I'm thinking about uh, Michael oh. C. Hall's lover in the show, oh. and that character's name in the show, I believe, is Keith. I can't think of the actor. Oh, Matthew St. Patrick. Correct. And I think that really was one of the uh, you know. Uh, best representations I saw of like a, a gay male relationship. It kind of really, you know, there, I, I believe there's six seasons of the show and you really see kind of their progression from being, you know, closeted to, um, you know, Michael C. Hall's character's name is David. Um, you know, David's coming out to his family, kind of allowing, you know, Keith to sort of exist with the family and socialize. Um, and I, you know, I just thought it was a really beautiful representation of that. And, you know, you see kind of a window into their, their sex life and their social life and kind of their emotional intimacy. Um, so that, you know, to me was a really wonderful representation. And I think because it was a television show and there are so many episodes and seasons where you kind of see their relationship grow, you see them break up, you see them get back together. You know, there's kind of, there are many kind of arcs to their characters. It really did more for me than I think any um, film I've really seen to date has done in terms of showcasing kind of, um, you know, a queer relationship. And that was in 2001. Okay. Or at least Mm -hmm. when it began, Right, that was fairly, that was around the same time as, was that on HBO? 
It was, yeah. It was HBO. So a lot of those HBO so uh, HBO shows broke down. I didn't even know that there was any any like uh, uh, LGBTQ part of that show whatsoever. I thought it was really just about uh, a family who had like a dysfunctional. It was like a dysfunctional family who had who owned like some uh, funeral home. I didn't know any of those nuances. Yeah, about that's it. certainly the show on the surface. Yeah. But I mean, it, it does. It explores a lot of that. Even. Um, one of the female characters kind of uh, there's a few episodes devoted to her discovering her sexuality as a as a young woman and kind of, you know, experimenting kind of, cur- you know, a curiosity about if she's, in fact, you know, gay or bisexual. Um, so I think the show does a great job at kind of telling many coming of age stories with characters that are all different ages. Um, and a lot of them end up touching on, you know, sexuality and relationships and really interesting ways, you know, and including queer relationships. Hmm. And then, uh, well, what's some, I guess I, I feel like TV shows then I uh, have done a better job of, of, of kind of, well, since, especially with today's day and age in which like TV shows, like that was kind of like the Renaissance of the golden age of TV was starting in like 2001. Um, would you say in general, would you say that TV shows have done a better job of, of explaining of 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 showing like what it's like to be gay in general than movies i'd say in terms of what i kind of look for yes mm-hmm. um you know I, I think something i often see in in films and you know this comment may be a little bit reductive but so many films that deal with lgbt life um end up dealing with you know porn or politics <laughs> Um, there are very few films That's interesting. in which, uh, you know, I think you really see kind of a realistic, relatable story. And, you know, I mean, I think a film that also that really impacted me, but did do a wonderful job um, was Moonlight. Um, uh-huh. And something that film did, though, that I think is kind of interesting when, when talking about it in relation to television is that film was segmented <clears throat> into kind of three mm-hmm. parts. So you did sort of, you know, you were with a character for an extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has to do so much with, you know, the, the process of, of coming out, um, you know, kind of having your first relationships, um, you know, being closeted and then accepting yourself and then, you know, being accepted by other people. I think it's kind of this process that um, we have not yet, you know, perfected seeing, you know, in a film in a, in a shorter span of time. Um, and I think that's because, you know, today the coming out story still is the predominant queer narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I would love to see, you know, more films or television shows where characters are just queer. We don't need to see their, I mean, uh, in, you know, sometimes it is wonderful to see their mm-hmm. coming out story, but it's also just wonderful to see characters that are just going about their lives. This is their identity that, you know, certainly impacts and informs their life in some way, but it doesn't have to be deterministic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess with, or with TV shows, you kind of, it you can't it can't be one giant if it's a show just about them coming out that would get I feel kind of boring after the first season you kind of be like all right like there's more like there's this is a tv show there needs to be a little bit more depth to just like being being gay isn't just about coming out it's about like everything else so it's like yeah so I see what you mean um and a Uh, lot of what what about a so I'm just thinking of a like it when you when we were mentioning about Six Feet Under, I was thinking of other HBO shows that had um, gay representation, and uh, The Wire 
has famously Omar Little scared. Yeah. Uh, That's an interesting a, show. A gay man and <clears throat> And that was around the same my, time as well. Well, from yeah, and from my point of view, that like that really that's not like that's not his main thing. It's yeah, it's I mean just it's kind of like it was kind of like an aside. I feel like TV shows I, in general do a better do a better job of that. Um, yeah, and that was kind of just like a it was something that at first I think was somewhat you didn't you didn't ex, you expect it, but then it it just made it it just made it seem like the character just seemed so much more unique. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't know. But it does kind of play in a little bit because uh, the drug lord people uh, don't really, you know, don't like him for several reasons. Yeah. Well, so. one of the, one of the things you, you said earlier, Katie, about um, porn or politics, uh, which I love, by the way, uh, one of the things. You thing, love porn or you love politics? I like, love both of them at the same time. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> okay. That's, that's different. Yeah. Well, I am the who PP. I am. Anyways, yeah, the good PP, as I call it. Um, the one of the, one movie that we talked about briefly uh, was Blue is the Warmest Color, and I remember you saying you did not like that film whatsoever, uh, or maybe not whatsoever. Maybe that's too strong, but you didn't, you weren't a fan of that film. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of more so to the politics. No, it's more so to the porn side of the porn or politics. Yeah, I mean, I I struggle with that film, and I've I've seen it a few times, and the first time I saw it, I mean, I was really impacted. And I actually loved it. You know, I thought it was so beautifully shot. And I, I think I was just so taken aback to, you know, see lesbians on screen, um, you know, engaging in so many different parts of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think upon a second and third viewing, I, I found myself feeling like it really showed it didn't show a companionship as much as it kind of showed two people that were kind of using each other in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't feel as realistic to me. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments in the film where I think um, uh, this act of consumption is kind mm-hmm. of happening. Like there are a lot of scenes in which they are, they are eating um, quite literally. Um, you know, that's kind of the act of consumption, but then even the way the two characters sort of uh, engage with each other, both, you know, uh, in, a, in a physical way and an emotional way, there kind of seems to be a lot of take, but less kind of giving. And I think that's sort of what ends up ruining their relationship. Hmm. Um, So to me, I mean, you know, certainly that is a model for how a relationship can go, but I just didn't think it covered its bases and really uh, unpacking, you know, all the beats of, of what it means to kind of be in this sort of relationship. And I think their age dynamic, their, you know, differences and uh, career ambitions and aspirations played a role in that. And I, I think the film tried to do something really complex. And I, I don't know if I would attribute it to the fact that it was a, a male director or, um, you know, just the nature of the film itself. But I just don't think it really showed companionship in a way that was satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never seen this movie. Uh, would you recommend it or would you say that I should watch it two or three times and then uh, decide if I liked it. I mean, I think it's certainly worth seeing and I'd, I'd be you know, curious to get your point of view on it. But I, um, you know, I think, I think it has a lot of, uh, I think it has some problems. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think, Sam? You've of, seen it. Of the movie? Uh, yeah. Well, we've talked about it before. I think it's, uh, uh, I, 
I think it's shot very beautifully. I think it's 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 definitely um the characters I feel like are real. Um but I just I mean we talked about this on like what is porn episode in which I don't see why you should have a, a five minute sex scene uh that's like really like really uh vivid. Um, I didn't, I don't really see the point I get having, like, I get why having the sex scene, but like, there was a point where I was kind of just like looking at my watch and being like, okay, I get the point. This seems a little weird. This guy's, this is direct. If this was directed by a woman, maybe a little bit, I would be okay. All right. This is, but the fact that it was directed by a guy and it was like this giant sex scene, I was like, sure. And you would never be able to get away with a sex scene that long. I think with, uh, you know, with guys. Oh, I, I was just going to say even like a heteronormative couple, a, oh, a heterosexual that as well. couple. Yeah. You know, I think that would have been, I think people would have perceived oh. that as in bad taste. I mean, if yeah. it was a man or a woman. Interesting. Um, or even, yeah, even two men. I mean, I think there's just a different kind of uh, uh, association we have with, with uh, sex for, you know, two men or a man and a woman. Now, that, that's, 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 that's a good point to touch on. How do you feel, um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, the, on in, in, in TV or in film? Uh, the difference between the relationships of 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 how it's depicted between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. How do you th- is, do you see that there's uh, like a different way of of how cinema or TV is is treating those two different things? Well, I guess you know, quite frankly, I don't feel like there are enough you know films and television shows uh, that you know kind of uh, engage with those relationships. Uh, for me to make a clear assessment. Um, however, you know, I do think uh, far more often we see stories about gay men than mm-hmm. I think we do, um, you know, lesbian women or we do uh, bisexual characters. Or, like, I can't, what is, like, I can't think of a bisexual film. That, well, like, there the is the TV show that's, uh, I think, is it quite literally called The Bisexual on Hulu? Um, I'll be honest that I've only seen a few episodes of it. Um, but there's that. Bisexual, yeah. There's one um, TV again coming yeah. in to save the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, TV I think it's hard it's to gauge in terms of answering your question, but I will say that I think there are more, um, maybe more stereotypes and, and tropes for kind of, uh, gay men. And I think, you know, even though, uh, queer women, I think have even less representation, I think they also have you know, fewer tropes even at play. It's like they haven't even gotten to that place to, you know, have those trips. You know, I think you see like a very feminine, you know, flamboyant man very often. And, you know, that's how one sees, um, you know, a gay man, even though there are so many different, you know, versions and ways of being a gay man. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, there are are certainly a lot of uh, shows and movies that kind of show a a certain, uh, you know, extreme version. but no, I just don't think there's enough, you know, kind of uh, representation um, across kind of the spectrum of, of personhood, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, um, representation, not only in live action, but uh, in also the animated sphere. So I don't says know the person that's a... not an anime fan. <laughs> no, not anime, but animation. Oh, animation. Okay. Animation. Gotcha. Um, you have shows like Steven Universe. That's very... Um, deep into the LGBT uh, to LGBTQ uh, representation, uh, which is created by uh, Rebecca Sugar, who is 
I believe bisexual. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, but th- that show is very much uh, has a lot of uh, that tone. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, then you I've, have I've other heard of that show. Cartoons. I've, yeah. I've never seen it, actually, but I have heard really you know positive things about it. I, I feel um, like, am I wrong in saying this is, I mean, it's not animation, but does does Sesame Street, did they just come out with a gay couple? Is that a thing? I think I read that somewhere, that there's a gay character. I remember Ses... feel like that would happen. Street. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, what? I mean, the first thing that I, I looked up was uh, Bert and Ernie are indeed a gay couple. Um, so there's, I mean, I guess there's that, which has always been there. But I mean, that's never really been. But I feel like there was something, like maybe it wasn't Sesame Street, but there was some. Yeah, I read something too. But then most recently, maybe this is what you're thinking of, is that uh, Arthur the Aardvark show, right? Did oh, they oh, had yes. yeah. they had an Mr. episode? Mr. Ratburn, right? Mr. Ratburn got married. What mm-hmm. to a man? Yeah. So that's the big thing about that is, is like people were also surprised that Arthur was still on the air. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that either. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that's, that was something. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. That's great. The, uh, I, I know think... the, uh, the My Little Pony show oh. had uh, two, uh, a gay uh, couple on there. They did? Maybe that's what they I'm did. thinking of. Maybe. I told you about it last week. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's where it came from. Um, yeah. Okay. That might be what it's from. I, 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 for some reason, shows. I feel like Sesame Street is is coming. I don't know. I I want to I want to look into this, but continue, Zach. Well, when the only thing I know about Sesame Street is that uh, recently, the, like, there probably is a a gay character on there. But I, they said recently that there was a homeless character that came up. That's all I know about Sesame Street. Well, I'm just reading an article now. Well, this is from 2018, but Frank Oz. Uh, who voices the, uh, some of the Muppets of a dozen of Muppets and puppets uh, in the early version says is coming out and say that they are, they are, they Bert and Ernie are gay. So really? I, I think I now it's, think it's was... maybe now they're accepting that a little bit more. I don't know. Oh. Um, but I also think it's funny whenever um, <laughs> what's her face, JK Rowling first started coming out about like saying like how Dumbledore was gay. And then, just talks about like how everyone in Harry Potter had like is like some very like some she just is like constantly talking about like so and so is is bisexual so and so it's like all these things that were just like oh whoa whoa okay and then she was just like it's just kind of funny how she just goes on I don't know Twitter had like a ramp like had, was and like making a, her meme about, about it how, um, like the toilets in in <laughs> Harry Potter like you just shit into a hole and it evaporates. <laughs> What? Apparently, that's something that she revised. That she really? Wow. Yeah, she's like, yeah, the toilets. <laughs> you just crap into a hole and it just disappears. Well, anyways, uh, going back to uh, we we talked about um, uh, before we came on um, the uh, one of the films that you saw and you thought was an interesting comparison and in how it's how movies treat uh, gay men and lesbian women separately. Is the around the same time Boy Erased and um, the Miseducation of Cameron Post came out, Ooh. and I feel like most people have heard of Boy Erased, 
Like that was kind of that was nominated for a few things. But the miseducation of Cameron Post, I hadn't heard of. Have, have you heard of that, Zach? I haven't. So it's kind of what interesting is, how the but they are somewhat I have similar not been educated stories. Educated on this. Yeah, yeah. you were miseducated about it. Um, do you think the yeah, the reasoning that. for that uh, is because of the fact that it's one's about a guy and one's about a woman? Oh, that's Chloe Grace Marie. Yeah, it's Rats. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it had to do with probably the uh, you know speaking uh, from the perspective of a producer, just the you know different budget levels of the mm. films, kind of the uh, different um, directors and casts behind them. Um, both of them, I believe, are based on pre-existing material. I think both are based on, um, you know, nonfiction accounts of being in, you know, their respective uh, conversion therapy camps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, both films, for, for those that don't know, kind of deal with, um, you know, a young person who's sent to a gay conversion therapy camp by their parents. Um, in both instances, I think, you know, it, it's it's pretty clearly for kind of religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, in, uh, the miseducation of Cameron Post, uh, they spend a lot of time actually kind of, uh, you know, showing the conversion therapy and showing the, you know, the, um, facilitators of that, uh, in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I thought it was interesting in Boy Erase, they actually spend a lot less time with that and a lot more time, you know, just with the character kind of, uh, reimagining and re-remembering kind of what got him there coming to terms with his sexuality um you know dealing with his parents so the films also kind of approach the subject matter very differently but i you know i do think it had to do with the directors and the cast and the budget level that you know obviously boy raced was marketed um you know a lot more the lot more you know previews and trailers and things of that nature about that film um whereas the miseducation was uh, a little bit quieter um and, you know, I do think it, it has to do with, you know, more folks maybe being interested at the moment in stories about gay men. Um, and I, I can't I can't really explain why that is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think just in general, it's just unfortunately, it's it seems like things have to happen with men first. I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't know why. I feel like people are just always. I don't know. Like, Yeah. That's really the only th- reason I can think of, like why popular studios would would start with 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 men is like it kind of has to you have to show it from the men's eyes before moving to the women, which is unfortunate. But I don't um, know. And it looks like the miseducation of Cameron Post, it, the writer of that, also is an actress in the bisexual, and she oh. wrote and directed the bisexual. Oh, her name ah. is escaping me at the moment. Do you guys have it up? <laughs> I do uh, the bisexual or I have Desiree. That's right, Desiree. Uh, what's your last name? Ak Ak Heaven Haven. Man, I love hearing you guys pronounce names. I'm just gonna let that one uh, go. Hey, it's, uh, <laughs> we we it's a it's a thing that we we have a problem with, but unfortunately, yeah. uh, we Should don't I do that? anything about. It. So, anyways, sorry for mispronouncing names, um, but uh, Haven. Um, stop. Oh, um, you know what's a question I have is, uh, so you are a producer yourself, correct? Correct. Uh, what? Tell us a little bit, maybe about uh, kind of your your style or like what you do uh, with filmmaking. 
Totally. So I, um, you know, produce, direct and write. Um, I, you know, recently left my job working in scripted television development um, at a studio to kind of uh, do my own things. I've had, a, a, you know, a few projects in development, including a, a feature that's actually going to be shooting this summer that I'll tell you has a bisexual main character. Um, so that's exciting in terms of, uh, you know, LGBT representation and kind of uh, working on projects that, you know, kind of uh, continue to, you know, push that forward, but in a, in a you know, relatable sort of way and in a way that kind of normalizes it. Um, but, you know, I, I work on a lot of different projects. I mean, I, I will say a lot of my work kind of deals with, um, you know, queer characters and queer stories. But I, you know, I, I really love working on projects that just give you a, a unique perspective into a character that may, you know, be operating in certain you know, uh, conditions, whether it be uh, dealing with identity politics, uh, whether that be cultural or related to sexual orientation or gender identity, those sorts of stories really excite me. So a lot of, you know, the things that I, I work on kind of deal with that. Um, and then at the moment, I'm actually about to launch a uh, kind of digital platform that's called Underexposed Stories. It's going to be launching on the 30th on uh, World Pride. Um, and it's a space where anybody can submit a story, whether, you know, kind of written in prose, whether it's a, you know, a series of photos, a short film, poetry, a song, um, you know, a, even a, a podcast, anything that kind of deals with queer life. And uh, myself and the editorial team will get it up on the site. Um, and, you know, the site's goal is really to kind of, uh, you know, bring together uh, queer culture um, really on a, on a, with, with a, with a global reach being very important to us. I mean, right now we have a few stories um, from some folks in Italy, from, you know, Jamaica at the moment, um, the UK, uh, many kind of U S based stories. And we really want to kind of expand that to, you know, uh, allow for this sort of engagement in queer life to extend to places where, you know, being gay is still illegal. Um, you know, huh? so that's a big part of what we're doing. And then our, our hope is that, you know, kind of with the stories that come in when people are open to it, you know, adapting them into, um, you know, films or whatever seems suitable, TV, um, you know, a podcast. So we're, we're hoping to kind of use it as a queer content incubator um, with, you know, a lot of uh, LGBTQ collaborators. Wow. Heard it. Heard it here first, guys. Yeah. Uh, the future is nigh. This is an exclusive. Can we call it an exclusive? This, this is the first an exclusive. Time said, yeah. We got the exclusive. Yeah. So uh, pay attention to that space opening the 30th. Um, but now, um, well, I guess before we, uh, we only have eight minutes. Um, do you have any uh, other questions, Zach, that you want to ask? Um, or do you want to move on to I what we've just, seen? I just, um, not really questions, but um, well, I guess my question is: is um, my favorite uh, LGBTQ movie is uh, Milk, and Gus Van Sant is a pretty great director. What do you think about like the representation of that in Milk? That deals with politics. That is politics. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest; it's been a while <laughs> since I've seen that movie, but I do remember really enjoying it um and you know kind of to my point earlier i think there there are a lot of films that kind of can deal with uh you know queer characters and politics that i do find really enjoyable i guess 
my my greater point is just there are so few stories of just kind of queer life in a in a I guess you know more low key way. I mean, you know, yeah. there, there can be so many films about uh, heterosexual people that don't have to kind of go in the direction of porn or politics. Yeah. Um, whereas I think that's kind of something that LGBT films are often pigeonholed into. You know, it's either kind of you know cinema of attractions. You know, seeing you know gay sex on screen. Or, you know, somebody kind of, you know, uh, dealing with a, um, you know, a political issue. But I, I do think those films are, are equally important. And I, I do remember really enjoying that film. So it's a good film by itself. But in the larger picture, you didn't love how it's it's like other like it fits into those pigeonholes of like what the topic is about. Yeah, I just think one of my, you know, missions as as a creative is to, you know, help there be more stories in the world about, you know, queer life that. That don't have to kind of go into those, you know, uh, uh, those two spaces yeah. that, I've, that I've referenced. Well, you know. Cheers to that. Uh, <laughs> cheers. We're going to, with the last um, uh, six Breath minutes, we're going to go over briefly uh, the movie, a movie we've seen this week um, that you, you can either hate it, love it, you just have an opinion about it. Um, and uh, I'll start off and then we can go counterclockwise to end with Katie. Um uh, the movie, I mean, on topic, I saw was Paris is Burning. Um, have you seen that film? Have either of you seen that film? I have seen no. portions of it. I've never seen it, it is, all the way through. You, let me tell you, you need to see this film. Like, now, for no other reason, just because... Sorry. You? No, the collective everyone here. It is oh, the one, of the, one of the most interesting films I've seen, and it really showed me how much of of the culture that we that we kind of take for granted now really started in like especially like underground homosexual black uh New York and like there's so many things that they talked about like the term realness which we I I don't really know the origins about it but it came from the fact of of these these gay men and women trying to look normal and that was part of the the competition that they had is like they and like that was what realness came from, and I was like, "Wow, I had never, I'd never knew that." Um, and it's, it's also it's just an Netflix. amazing. It's on Netflix, and it's it's also just an amazing. Like you got to watch the whole thing to the very end, and the ending is more than more than powerful. It's it's incredible. Uh, yeah, uh, so I I highly recommend Paris is Burning. Anyways, Zach, you make it short. Uh, I haven't watched a movie uh, in a while, but uh, I did just start watching the uh, the <laughs> the confused, uh, not Netflix original, but actually Amazon original uh, TV show, Good Omens, mm. uh, which stars Michael Sheen and David Tennant as Angel and a Demon. Oh yeah, and it, yeah, fine. it's it it got it got some news recently about uh, like super conservative Christians trying to take it down, Classic. but they got confused uh, <laughs> by, they got a, a, uh, a petition to take it down from Netflix. <laughs> Wait, what is it on? It's like, on Amazon. It's Amazon prime. <laughs> so and they got like 200 and two, 200,000 reviews. Anyways, it's all right. It, it's, it's really fun. Uh, if you like David Tennant or Michael Sheen or really, or that kind of like, fantasy type feel it's pretty cool oh sorry i was i was 
for some reason thinking about the 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 Daniel Rand, Radcliffe um Steve Buscemi show um do you know what I'm talking about where Steve Buscemi I, yeah. plays God I yeah, thought that's I what, what you were talking about, about. Oh, okay oh yeah uh, but I know what you're talking about as is, well um this is written by Neil uh Gaiman gotcha and isn't John Hammond that he is okay and last but not least Katie what's something that you saw yeah that you have thought on I saw Booksmart recently and I think I'm, you know, in the minority of people that didn't love it. <laughs> I, you yeah. know, I think maybe I, I'm two thumbs undecided about it. Hey, yeah, I'm glad you're on, you're on the right show. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel yeah. about it. <laughs> you know, I, I loved the first act and the third act, but was a little not totally satisfied with the second act, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think it was a great, you know, directorial debut um, from Olivia Wilde, but I just, um, you know, I think it, it kind of lost itself a little bit. Uh, Mm. I was sort of unsure, you know, is this a film about female friendship? Is this a film about fitting in? Is this supposed to be like a really silly over the top film? I, it wasn't tonally, it kind of lost me at times. I think it's worth seeing. I'm, you know, pleased that there was some, uh, you know, really thoughtful, uh, queer representation. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that laugh out loud comedy everybody told me it was. Would you compare it to, because it's been comparing a lot to Superbad, would you say it's similar? Yeah, I would. But I'd say that the way it sets itself up, I didn't think that's where it was going. So mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for, for, for me, it's like all or nothing. You either like are a grounded comedy or you're like over the top ridiculous. And it's that middle ground that's really hard to do right. And I think, you know, she gave a great shot at it, but not sure it hit the mark. Gotcha. Okay. Hot take, hot take uh, from our guest today, Katie. Um, so we're going to wrap it up today uh, with uh, guest's choice. Uh, I'm coming out by uh, Diana Ross. Um, but thank song. you so much uh, for coming on, uh, Katie. Uh, thank you guys for having me. That's not the song. Thank you. This is the song. There we I'll go. There we it. go. Um, what were you saying, Zach? Uh, uh, I was going to sing it. All right. Well, I'm going to fade out as you sing it. I'm coming up I want the wood